This past week, I was happened to be watching TV, and I saw yesterday morning. Uh, I usually watch uh, Saturday morning Today Show, but they weren't on. They had the uh, biking thing. The Tour de France was on, so I switched to CBS. Back in the day, I was a CBS man. Watched Dan Rather, Walter Cronkite. I'm that old. I remember Walter Cronkite. Uh, but uh, they had a guy on, a young man that was a former police officer. And uh, he had recently left the police force, but a few years ago he uh, was pulled over by some of his fellow officers. And uh, he was questioned, and they got a little rough with him. And uh, he kept trying to tell them that he was a fellow officer. Didn't make any difference. I guess he fit a certain profile. Long story short is that they finally uh, found out that he was. Uh, they released him, although the judge did cite him for resisting arrest and some other things. How many of you have heard of PTSD? Okay. Post-traumatic stress syndrome. PTS. Um, the effect of that on him in terms of his future policing was that he was really messed up mentally. But this is the part that I find interesting. He says that uh, one of the things that helped turn him around was he found yoga. And I have nothing, there's nothing wrong with yoga. It has, has some good points. But he said that that gave him the sense of peace that he really needed. So he found a combination of yoga and self-defense. He was teaching a class. He taught yoga where, you know, you all know about yoga. But also, he also talked about, you know, if, when I say you know, I mean you've heard of it. At least you've heard of it. So he took that and self-defense, which he said helped get out the aggression. But yoga gave him that peace, that inner peace that he needed. There's nothing wrong with that. But here's, here's why I have a problem. That's okay. But if you really want true peace, you need to know Jesus. Everything that all these other religions have, Christ already has that. If you want meditation, guess what? We are to meditate on what? The word of God. Be still and know that I am God. In other words, we need to take some time to reflect on who God is. Now, this morning, one of the ways that I really think we miss out on is that we miss out on just what is going on around us in the various creation of God. Amen? What happens is we get so busy with our lives that we forget about and we don't take in the little things of life. There was a young man, a young boy, really. He was probably maybe 10, maybe 8, 9, 10, or 11, somewhere in there. He hadn't been able to hear, and he had a surgery. And the report showed the moment that after his surgery to restore his hearing, he was able to hear the first words come out of his mother's mouth. They show when the doctor says, okay, 
and they, they showed the mother saying to the son, and she said this. This is the first thing he was able to hear. I love you. Man, to see his eyes get big and a smile that came over his face, and he was just ecstatic. And maybe because I think like this, probably most people don't think like this, I thought, wouldn't it, isn't it great? Or wouldn't it, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be great that every now and then, when we think about God, when we think about God's goodness and all that he has done, when the eyes, our eyes are open and our ears hear, to have that ecstatic experience where we're like, God, you're just so awesome. God, without you, I would not have been able to make it. Instead of always going into, well, you know, it's all right, it's okay, I'm barely making it. Well, I get life sometimes going to be tough, but when we look at what, who God is, all we got to say is, God, you're so good. And I'm going to praise you for your blessings that you have done. A couple things that I just want to bring out to us this morning is this. When we talk about praising God, we talk about seeing God for who he is. The very first thing, one of the things that is an easy fix for that is creation. We fail to see God and his creation really as clearly as we should. As a person with cataracts or a person with a hearing disability would find out is that once their vision or, or their hearing is restored, they become a new person in the sense that they get the sense, the senses of their hearing and the, the ability to see opens up a whole new world for them. What we need to understand is that as we mature in Christ, we need to see his grandeur. We need to see his beauty, and we need to see his creativity in the world that he has created. How do we become cloudy in our perspective? What well, happens for a couple of reasons. Number one, ignorance. We just don't know sometimes. Number two, apathy. We become apathetic. We just take things as they come. You know, the sun comes up, the sun goes down, blue skies green grass and all that. We just come after, we, do, we see it so much that it doesn't mean anything to us. The next thing that happens is misinformation. Not having the right information. And then also the lack of curiosity. Not being curious about, God, you're so wonderful. You're so great. How, how can I get to know you better? As I look at creation, as I look at what you've done, and then the last thing is a failure to appreciate who God is. God is not my buddy. God is not the man upstairs. God is not the great force out there. He's God. And the Bible tells us there is none, no one like him. He's incomparable. He's not like Coke. It's the real thing. He is the real thing. So we need to understand that when we come to God, we cannot come to him flippantly, but we got to appreciate all he has done. God's creation can speak to us if we will take time to look and listen. 
one of the first ways we want to talk about who God is, we want to talk about Jesus and the Bible. In John 1.1, we're told that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and guess what? The Word was God. He is the living Word. Amen? So John 1 tells us he's that living Word. Hebrews chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2 says, Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets. At different times and in different ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. That's some encouraging words. God speaks to us because he is God and he is also personified as the living word of God through his son, Jesus Christ. Back in the old days, back in time, fast, there was the prophets, there was Jesus, and there was the apostles. But ultimately, everything that we need to know about who God is, is found in this book. You want to know how to live life? You want answers to life's biggest questions? It's all right here. It's about your curiosity, as I said a few moments ago. If you, you need to be curious enough to take time to get to know the word of God. You got problems? Guess what? The solution is right here in what we call the Bible. God took the prophets, God took the apostles, and God took the words of Jesus Christ, and then he consolidated all into a book that we now call the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible, the Word of God. Amen? He has spoken and he has written it down, and eventually it's all compiled into what we now have as our Bible. So we have the word of God, but we also need to understand that Jesus is the living word and scripture is the written word. How we live that out, we see it in the life of Jesus. How we also see it is that scripture is the written word and we are to take what is written and live it out. Creation itself speaks about God. Psalm 19, 1 through 4, reads as this, as follows. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the works of his hand. Just take time to look into the sky, and you see that sun fixated in the, sun, in the sky, and then later on in the evening, you see the moon. It declares the glory of God. And I like what the old preachers would say. Let me tell you something. God is so great in creation that he fixed the sun at a certain point in the universe of, of in the heavens so that if it was an inch or a quarter inch or a fraction of an inch closer, we would burn up. If it was another half, half an inch, quarter inch, whatever, away, we would literally freeze. But it's fixed in a certain spot so that it gives warmth. And as the earth rotates and as the earth tilts at different times of the season, right now we are in the tail end of summer. The earth is tilting a little further away. And when it gets a little bit further away, guess what's going to happen? That wonderful time of year called winter will set in. We don't know what kind of winter we will have. Last year we had a nice mild winter, relatively. But we don't know what this year is going to bring. And God is so great that in his creation, there are no two snowflakes that are exactly alike. 
take a microscope or whatever it is you need to take and look at each one. And guess what? You, it's hard to take a single snowflake and pick it out. That's how great God is. So when you have wintertime and you see the ice and the snow and we start complaining, realize that, God, even in the snow, you're showing how great you are. For no two snowflakes are identical. When I look into the skies, all I see is the twinkling of the stars. But guess what? In my Bible, I think the word of God says that God knows each star. And guess what? Each star has a name. Now, you go into the Milky Way and all these other different galaxies. There are millions and billions and trillions of stars. And for God, each one has a name. That speaks about the glory of God. That speaks about his majesty. That talks about his power. The heavens declare the glory of God. The expanse proclaims the works of his hands. Day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. Just to see that the sun is faithful. It rises, it sets. The moon comes, the moon goes. God is an on-time God. There are 24 hours a day. There are 365 days in a year. You can break it down to minutes, times, seconds, and all that. But God is always on time. That's how great he is. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. The message has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, he has pitched a tent for the sun. By mere fact of creation, God speaks about who he is. The New Living Translation takes verse 4 and says, Heaven's voice echoes throughout the earth, its words carry to the distant horizon. I read that, I went, Woo! The fact that heaven's voice echoes. You know what an echo is? It reverberates, it comes back. Heaven's voice echoes throughout the earth, its words carry to the distant horizons. So no matter if you're in the United States or you're in Russia or you're in Europe or you're in Asia or Africa, God speaks through his creation. That's good news for us. Amen. God is known by the things that are made. God is known by his creation. Paul tells us that we are no longer without excuse. The fact that somebody says, well, I've never heard the word of God. Well, you don't necessarily have to hear the word of God. Creation itself speaks to the fact that there is a God. How do you think we got here? I know we got brilliant minds that think we come from the amoebas and the orbs and the, the oozes and ozes and whatever. And we climb out of the primordial ooze to become a tadpole, and then we eventually dropped the tails, and we eventually grew from eight to eight to eight, and we got so smart that we dropped our, hey, you can believe that if you want to. God does not need billions of years to do what he does. God simply says, I understand my Bible, Genesis, God said, let there be, and there was. I believe. You don't have to believe it. I believe in the literal 24-hour, 24-day creation of heaven and earth. And I believe that God said, let there be man, and man was created out of the dust of the earth. And then he said, you know what, dude? 
It's not good that you be you, you need help. You need some help. You're all by yourself. I'm going to create for you a helpmate, somebody to help you along this journey. Because if you're by yourself, who knows what you might do? You need another voice. So I'm going to take the rib of a man, of the man Adam, and I'm going to make woe man called Eve. And that's why we have men and women. Somebody said, why a rib? Well, he took it out because it's from the side. He didn't take it from his head. He didn't take it from his feet. He took it from his side. That means man and woman are to walk together, side by side. We're same in essence, but we're different in function. We're all, they don't, the only difference is what God has designed, the difference between men and women are. Not man. Man has tried to put his stamp on that. But God, if you study the Bible, you will find that we are same in essence, but we are different in function. Somebody says, well, that's your pastor. You're a man. You're going to say that. Well, no, I'm a man. And I did say that, but I also know that's what the Bible teaches. There is, a, there is, whether we like it or not, there is a distinction in the sexes. And everything that a man can do, I get it. Women, you, want it, you can do that and probably much more. But the issue is not your ability. The issue is how God has designed what we as men and women are to do. God is so great that he created man and woman. Amen. God is known by the things. And we're no longer without excuse. So whether you come to a church and hear the Bible preach, that's great because now you are accountable for what you hear. Maybe that's why people don't come to church so much. Because they know if they come and they hear a word that God's going to hold them accountable for the word that they heard. So if they don't ever come back again and they face God at judgment, God's going to say, but you did hear a word, did you not? Did you not go to this church on such a, yeah? Well, what do you think? You're accountable for that, brother, sister. And if they don't do that, uh, excuse me, were you enjoying the fruits of, of my creation? I blessed you for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years. You, you sucked up my air, you breathed, you, you ate my food, you, you enjoyed the beautiful sunsets and the sunrises and the beauty of my creation. Who do you think did all that? I did. It speaks of me. And if it speaks of me, guess what? Now you're still accountable so that we are not without excuse. You're not going to stand before God on judgment and say, well, I just didn't know. Well, yes, you did. And that's what Paul talks about. When he talks about it in Romans 8, he says, hey, there's no, you know, there's no excuse. God is known by his creation. We're without excuse. God himself speaks to who he is and how we ought to give him glory. When you and I begin to look with our spiritual eyes, look with new eyes of understanding, we will see the glory of God everywhere around us. You go to Acts chapter 9, you find the account of Paul. Paul was out persecuting the church, persecuting Christians, persecuting what was then called the way. 
until he had a confrontation with Jesus. Struck blind on the road to Damascus. Told to go to a certain house, and there you would find further understanding. I was reading that account this week, and I thought, that's us. We were blinded in our own way of thinking, in our own way of doing. And God literally, maybe not literally, but God had to strike us to the point that we recognize that there is a better way. I need a Savior. The whole point of Jesus' coming was to save us from our sins. And to give man a new way of living. The Christian life isn't about becoming a better person in the sense that I, 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 make, I try to do things to be better. The Christian life is meant to transform who we are. A transformation. Not a restoration back to, oh, I'm a better person. No. To change every aspect of our life. I said it the other week. I'll say it again. He's, when we are transformed, it's a new way of seeing the world. We don't see the world like we used to. We don't see it based on political parties. We don't see it based on ideology. We don't base it on psychology and sociology. We see it as God sees it. God sees man as totally depraved, nothing good about man at all. We are enemies. And the question is, why would a great God like that send his only son to die for us? You want, to know, you want to know the answer? The answer is his love for us. For God so what? Love the world. That he did what? He sent his only begotten. One of a kind. The only son. There's not many sons of God. There's only one. Jesus. Mary's baby. Joseph's stepson. The, the Lion of Judah. All those names. Him. Jesus Christ. He is the one that God sent to redeem man. We were brought back. What's redemption about? We face the penalty of death and total separation from God. God said, I'm done with man. But Jesus said, whoa, 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 whoa. I'll go down. I know, Father, sin is abhorrent to you. You can't even look at it. You won't look at it. But there are some redeeming values with man. So around the throne of heaven, the conversation was, how are we going to get this thing done? How are we going to restore man back to God the Father? The son said, well, I'll tell you what. If I, if you allow me, Father, to go down and live among them and live a perfect, holy life before them. And you allow me to tell man that the message of the gospel is that there is freedom, there is saving power in my name. That when they see me, they see you. If you allow me to go down there and preach the message of the gospel and help people to understand that it, once they come to know me, they are heirs with Christ and joint heirs with him, that everything that I have, they have. If you allow me to shed my blood on a, on a hill called Calvary, they went through the sacrifices in the Old Testament, Father. The bulls, the rams, the turtle doves and all that. But that, that, that has not satisfied you yet. 
There was Abraham. There was Isaac. There was Jacob. There was Joseph. There was all these people. Noah. There was David. There was Solomon. You call the list. Ezra, Nehemiah, all of them. But nobody is able to save man from himself. But if you let me go down, just, not, just, just send me. Like I say, here am I. Send me. I'll, I'll redeem man. He lived in amongst men a perfect life. And at the end of his life, the only reason why they took him to the cross is because they could not get beyond the fact the Jewish nation of people could not get beyond the fact that he called himself God. There's this, there's this guy over here that keeps saying he is the son of God. Not a son, the son. He's claiming divinity. He's claiming that he's God. And he was. And he is. And he forever shall be. We got to get rid of this guy. We got to get rid of him. Because if we don't, he's going to get people to buy into what he's saying. And they're no longer going to follow what we say. They're going to follow what he says. So let us plot and scheme and set up an opportunity to catch him. And then we will crucify him and we'll kill dead this whole new way of thinking. Read the account in the Gospels from Judgment Hall to Judgment Hall. They took Jesus and really, when you really read it, they really found out that there was nothing wrong. There was no account that they could really charge Jesus with. So they had to come up with some trumped up charges. And Herod tried to get out of it, but he couldn't. And then he tried to wash his hands clean from the situation, and he couldn't. And I think it's it. I, I like reading the part, and then everybody says, they said, now, when we take him to, the, to Calvary, we take him to Golgotha, don't say that he is, but say that he thought he was. No, no, no. On the plaque above Jesus' name, it said, Jesus, king of the Jews. Not a king, the king of the Jews. Put him on a tree. Suffered immeasurably before he even got there. Beat him to a living pulp. Took him, planted him on a cross, nailed his hands and his feet. I get a little sticker in my hand, and I think it's the worst pain in the world. Working in the yard, messing with rose bushes or whatever. Yo! And every time I look at the little thorns on a rose bush, I try to imagine the nails that they nailed into my my, my Savior's hands. I was at a conference WHW years ago. One of the guys that was a consultant on some of these movies that deal with Jesus in the times, he actually brought some examples of the spikes that they used. And they weren't little teeny tiny. They were gigantic spikes. And they took a mallet and they drove it through the, through the wrist part of his hand, of his wrist, the securium. Then they took his feet. And there he was. Why did he do all that? Because in the conversation of heaven, he had you and you and you and you and you and you. He had us in mind before we were even born, before we even thought of. Jesus, God, said, I got to die for a guy named Byron. I got to die for a person named Penny. I got to die for a person named Art or Brenda, whoever, because they need salvation. They need to be saved. He bled. He suffered. 
bled, and died. That's the same God who created this whole entire universe. That's the same God who brought to us salvation. God's fingerprints are everywhere in creation. You know what fingerprints are. I happened to be a big fan back in the day, still am. CSI, all that stuff where they talk all about the, their fingerprints and the, you know, the droplets of this and all that, and they figure out, they can find out who you are. But God's fingerprints are in every aspect of creation. They come out to the church sometimes, and there's fingerprints on the door. I said, you know what I should do? I should get the police, take some dust, find out who this person is. Fingerprint them. But God's fingerprints are everywhere. God's fingerprint is in, even on you and I. We are created in the very image of God. One thing to know is that one day, what is tainted by sin, our creation will be restored back to a perfect state. Romans 8, 19 through 23 says, for the creation eagerly awaits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who, was subjected, who subjected it in, hope, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves eagerly awaiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. What's the Paul trying to say? Creation, the world, the earth, nature, all that's out there, moans and groans. Why do you think we have earthquakes and tornadoes and why do you think we have COVID-19s and whatever else is out there and has been? It's because of sin. God's judgment. He allows these things to happen. But there will be a day, oh, glory to God, where everything that is tainted by sin will be restored back to where it was when God created everything. And at the end of everything, he said, it's very good. Amen. And even we ourselves... It says, we also groan within ourselves eagerly. We, 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 when, Jesus, when is this going to happen? When? When? I want it to happen now. But when is this going to happen? We eagerly await for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. There will be a day when creation will be restored back to where it was, reflecting the glory of God. But there will also be a day when you and I will be restored. I will no longer need glasses so I can, I can see you, but I can't read. If I look at this page, it's all blurred. I got to go squint and kind of get close and go, uh-huh. So when I put on my glasses, whoa, it pops up at me. Oh, there's going to be a day I won't need glasses. There's going to be a day I won't need to take some medication for my allergies and all that other stuff. There's going to be a day for some of us where our bodies will be restored that we're going to have great knees. We'll be able to put our... Our leg up over our heads. Our back pains will be done away with. We'll be able to say, 
What? Bend down and get that? Man, I can only bend down. I could bend down and drop and give you 10, 20, man. Ain't no problem. I don't have to walk with a limp. I don't have to go. The morning I woke up, I don't know what happened. So it was something that happened to you the other day. I was up at my mom's house, and I was there, and I don't think I can remember, and I don't think I did this. I think this was the cause. Maybe I'm getting older, I guess. But I put my arm up on the top of the couch, and then that evening, from my back of my shoulder all the way down to here, I couldn't hardly lift my arm up. I was like, oh, Jesus, what's going on? And I was, you know, I was trying to move it, and I, ooh, that hurts. If I move this, oh. Ah, that's going to call me a day. There will never be no more pain, no more cancer, no more diabetes, no more this, no more that. We'll be perfectly healthy. God's going to give to us a body that will be conducive to heaven, not limited by time, space, or whatever. Say, how do you know all that? Read about Jesus. After he rose from the grave, they were in the room doing their thing. All of a sudden, they look up and... There was Jesus. Didn't knock on no door saying, hey, I'm here. Can you let me in? He was just there. Out of nowhere. It'd be like we're all sitting here. All of a sudden, right here. He's here. Somebody, what? Where did you come from? It ain't going to be a lot of bewitched or magic. It's going to be our new creation, our new self, not limited. They were having the first fish fry. Hey, brothers, what are you doing? Uh, we're frying some fish here. Oh, great. He sat down and started eating fish with them. Amen? That's going to be, that's why, we should, that's why we should be eagerly, eagerly waiting for Jesus. And each day we get up, don't rush so fast that you forget to take, you take for granted the blessings that God has given. We're going to have a beautiful week. Each time you get up and say, well, you know what, Lord, this is your day. We are not limited to that. To that guy that used to stand out there, this is the day the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad there. No, anybody, all of us as Christians, that's not just one guy's phrase. That should be on the tongues of all of us. Every morning we wake up, say, thank you, Jesus. Every morning we see the sun rises, say, thank you. I get up in the morning and I turn the little thing on our blinds and I let in a little bit of sun because the sun is right there. If I open it all the way, it's blinding. Just enough sunlight, I go, thank you, Jesus. I'm driving out to Walmart a few months ago, and we're driving down Rombach Avenue, and in the sky was the, the most humongous moon I've seen in a long time. It was as if I could just reach out and touch. It was huge. I said, isn't God good? I go outside with Tyson, and I look up in the sky as he's out there wandering around in the backyard. I go, look at the sky. Look at those stars. There's the Big Dipper. There's this. Man, God, you're up there. And even on a cloudy day, if I'm outside, I look up and I go, beyond what I can see, the sun is still shining. I've been on an airplane. I left it on the ground. It was cloudy. By the time we get it to 25, 30,000 feet, the sun is brightly shining. And beyond that is the very abode of God. I admire the astronauts. I remember I see a snapshot of a picture of the, of the Earth out there in the middle of the blackness of space. I just say to myself, God, you're so great. 
the fact that we are mostly water, the blue water, and you can see, they tell me up there they can see everything. They, they saw that they can see the fires out in California. They can see the smoke over here. They can see whatever. But not even all that. I go, God, you're so great. Look at that. When Neil Armstrong stepped on the moon, whether he believed he did or not, that's up to you. I just thought to myself, man, and I was a young kid, but I thought, God, you're so great that you give man this ability, the mind, to put all this stuff together that within a split second, if they don't come on, enter into the earth at the right time, at the right moment, when the space is just right, if they hit it wrong, they will skip off and go out of the space and be lost forever. But God has given man, the mind of man, the ability, the know-how to do some things. All the technological advances that we have, the fact that on this little device right here is practically a computer that I know I, back in the day, computers were a room wide. I remember when the first cell phone we got, portable phone we got, was in a bag. You had to plug it into your cigarette lighter thing, and, and the phone receiver was a big, like the old days, it was a phone. I can remember when you had to dial, and I was never coordinated enough to, because I mean, I had to wait for the thing to go back to three, eight, amen? I've been watching Andy Griffith. My wife says, why are you watching that? Yeah, it was a much kinder, gentler time. The only thing you had to worry about was Barney and his bullet. His one bullet, you know, that's all I had to worry about. And, you know, I can watch Barney doing all that. It was easy. We watched this. I saw uh, 30 seconds yesterday. Two guys were accused of robbing, I guess, or doing something. And I told you, isn't this amazing that in that time, maybe they weren't that hardened criminals like we have today, but they came in and they didn't have any handcuffs on them. They walked into the house with Aunt B and they were working. No cuffs, no guns, no nothing. I said, what time brings about a difference? Today, you got guns and everything else, armored vehicles and, you know, bazookas. Watching all of that, I just think, God, you're, you're so good. When I see how great you are in creation, it makes me appreciate all that you enjoy, all that you are. So take the time to enjoy creation and thank God for his inestimable gift. Take time to enjoy. Take time to smell the roses. Don't let all this stuff with COVID-19, the election, social justice, you name it, it's all going on. Don't let that override your ability to thank God. Man that is born of woman is full of tr trouble has been here and trouble will be here until Christ comes again. But I think, and I close on this, I think I heard a song, trouble don't last always. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us take